Welcome to the Christ the King podcast. I am Pastor Michael McGinley of Christ the King Lutheran Church here in Spencer, Iowa, and we are a congregation of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Coming to you this evening with a Vesper service, our second midweek Vesper service of 2021. And this year, our series since Ash Wednesday has been, and will continue to be up until Good Friday, the Lord's Prayer and the Lord's Passion. Now, so far, we have covered uh, the introduction to the Lord's Prayer, Our Father Who Art in Heaven, the first petition of the Lord's Prayer, Hallowed Be Thy Name, and tonight we cover the second petition of the Lord's Prayer, Thy Kingdom Come. And we see how this prayer, or what we ask for in this prayer, comes out in our gospel lesson for tonight, which is, which is John 18, chapters 18 and 19 where we see Jesus betrayed into the hand of the Romans and where Jesus confronts Pontius Pilate. And with that, we'll see how Jesus speaks of his kingdom. With that, we will now be, go ahead and begin our Vesper service with our opening hymn, which will also serve as our closing hymn, O dearest Jesus, what law hast thou broken?
open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise to thee, O Christ, King of eternal glory. Exalt the Lord our God, and worship at his holy hill. The Lord reigneth, let the people tremble. He sitteth between the cherubims, let the earth be moved. The Lord is great in Zion, and he is high above all the people. Let them praise thy great and terrible name, for it is holy. The king's strength also loveth judgment. Thou dost establish equity. Thou executest judgment and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt ye the Lord our God, and worship at his footstool, for he is holy. Moses and Aaron among his priests, and Samuel among them that call upon his name. They called upon the Lord, and he answered them. He spake unto them in the cloudy pillar. They kept his testimonies, and the ordinance that he gave them. Thou answerest them, O Lord our God. Thou wast a God that forgavest them, though thou tookest vengeance of their inventions. Exalt the Lord our God, and worship at his holy hill, for the Lord our God is holy. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Exalt the Lord our God, and worship at his holy hill. The epistle for this second midweek Lenten Vespers is written in the 14th chapter of Romans, beginning at the 13th verse. Brothers, let's not judge one another any more, but judge this rather, that no man be a stumbling block in his brother's way, or an occasion for falling. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean of itself except that to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Yet if because of food your brother is grieved, you walk no longer in love. Don't destroy with your food him for whom Christ died. Then don't let your good be slandered, for God's kingdom is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, let's follow after things which make for peace, and things by which we may build one another up. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The Small Catechism on the Lord's Prayer, the Second Petition. What is the Second Petition? Thy kingdom come. What does this mean? The kingdom of God comes indeed without our prayer, of itself. But we pray in this petition that it may come unto us also. How is this done? When our Heavenly Father gives us His Holy Spirit, so that by His grace we believe His Holy Word and lead a godly life here in time and yonder 
in eternity. The Holy Gospel is according to St. John, the 18th and 19th chapters. Glory be to thee, O Lord. They led Jesus, therefore, from Caiaphas into the praetorium. It was early, and they themselves didn't enter into the praetorium, that they might not be defiled, but might eat the Passover. Pilate, therefore, went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man weren't an evildoer, we wouldn't have delivered him up to you. Pilate, therefore, said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. Therefore the Jews said to him, It is illegal for us to put anyone to death, that the word of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke, signifying by what kind of death he should die. Pilate therefore entered again into the praetorium, called Jesus, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Do you say this of yourself, or did others tell you about me? Pilate answered, I'm not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would fight, that I wouldn't be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this reason I have been born, and for this reason I have come into the world, that I should testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? When he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no basis for a charge against him. But you have a custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Therefore, do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Then they all shouted again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. So Pilate then took Jesus and flogged him. The soldiers twisted thorns into a crown and put it on his head and dressed him in a purple garment. They kept saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they kept slapping him. Then Pilate went out again and said to them, Behold, I bring him out to you, that you may know that I find no basis for a charge against him. Jesus therefore came out, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple garment. Pilate said to them, Behold, the man! When therefore the chief priests and the officers saw him, they shouted, saying, Crucify! Crucify! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. When therefore Pilate heard this saying, he was more afraid. He entered into the praetorium again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Pilate therefore said to him, Aren't you speaking to me? 
Don't you know that I have the power to release you and I have the power to crucify you? Jesus answered, You would have no power at all against me unless it were given to you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me to you has greater sin. At this, Pilate was seeking to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If you release this man, you aren't Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the preparation day of the Passover, at about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold, your king. They cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. So then he delivered him to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and led him away. Here ends the gospel. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Rend your heart and not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, for he is gracious and merciful. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, for he is gracious and merciful.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thy kingdom come. We pray this every week, if not every day. And this second petition is our focus tonight as we see our Lord's prayer in our Lord's passion. Now, tonight we've heard from Luther's catechism on this petition, from Paul about the kingdom of God, about God's kingdom of righteousness and peace. We also hear another voice amidst them asking a question that is rather haunting for us. It's that of Pilate. Pilate asking, what is truth? It's the question that Pilate asks as he leaves Jesus in silence. It's a question that men have asked through the ages. It's not a unique one. And today, it's a question we find ourselves asking almost every day. When we open up the newspaper, what is truth? When we listen to the TV or radio, what is truth? When we hear of Dr. Seuss or another person being so-called canceled, what is truth? When we hear of endless genders and gender identity and transgenderism in children as well as adults, what is truth? As we see around us a world that wants, that wants to legislate its own ever-changing morality, especially against the church. As the heat comes upon us people of faith, as the pressure to submit comes under this guise of unity, we ask, what is truth? Now, it's a philosophical question in a way, but here it's not being asked philosophically. It's a question that Pilate and we find ourselves living in. What is truth? Thy kingdom come. Yes, indeed, we pray this. But as we pray that, what is truth? The truth is what Pilate was seeking since the moment the Jews brought Jesus to him. Which is why Pilate first asks our Lord here in these verses, Are you the king of the Jews? He would have known about their waiting for this long-promised Messiah. He knew about their religion and the, the importance of the Passover celebration. He knew that if this Nazarene before him were claiming to be the king of the Jews, then that would mean that this man was also claiming to be the Messiah. And that the chief priests had a problem with this. He would have understood that. But Pilate doesn't really care much about the Jewish scripture or their Messiah. After all, what are they to him? Here is Pilate, the official of Rome, the eternal city. Rome, which was built on the wisdom of the Greeks and divine strength of the Caesars. Rome, who celebrated and sought the blessing of the pantheon of ancient gods. Rome, whose empire and might stretched from the seat of Caesar to Spain, Britain, North Africa, Greece, Egypt, as far east as Cappadocia and Mesopotamia. Rome, whose influence infiltrated the entire civilized world and well beyond that. What then were the Jews or their scripture to Pilate? What then was this shackled, beaten, peasant Nazarene to this mighty man of Rome? And of course, we see this even today. 
What do those in charge of the world care for our scripture? What are they to us? Here is our mighty nation, built on the wisdom of scholars and experts, believing in science, that is, scientism, believing that science gives them a divine power to change genders with medicine, to dictate thoughts with race theories and and re-education camps. Here is our nation who not only dominates Western thought, but whose influence stretches across the globe. What then are we or our scriptures to them? What then is Christ crucified or our little congregation or our little synod to this mighty nation of theirs? Are you the king of the Jews? Pilate isn't asking because he cares if Jesus is a Messiah. He cares because he is making sure our Lord is not a threat of a revolution against Rome and Caesar. He cares because he wants to eat his daily bread in peace without being bothered with an insurrection or by a bunch of irate Jewish leaders. He just wants Jesus to fall in line. Are you the king of the Jews? Likewise, certain cultural leaders in our nation don't care if Jesus is the Messiah or what you believe in your heart of hearts. They care because they are trying to make sure our Christian faith and practices are not a threat against their sexual desires, their chasing of a, of a utopia, a utopia of a perfect world built in their own image. They want to eat their daily bread without being told about God's created order. They just want Christians and us to fall in line. But here's how Jesus answers Pilate and the world as well. He says, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? That is, he's asking, did the Spirit open your eyes to who I really am? Or did others tell you I was some sort of king? Here our Lord did not care about any revolution. He didn't care about Pilate's worry of an insurrection. Here he doesn't care what does or does not disturb the world today from enjoying their daily bread. That In this particular passage, that's not his worry. He wants to know if Pilate has been given eyes to really see who he is. Thy kingdom come. It's not a prayer asking Christ to come and rule our nation as an earthly king. It is a prayer seeking eyes to see much higher than that. But Pilate like our world, <laughs> he doesn't appreciate this kind of riddle that Jesus throws at him. So he says, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Pilate can't see beyond creation, can he? He can't see beyond his daily bread or this world. He merely sees a lone Jew who has been betrayed by his own. But again, our Lord rejects such 
short-sighted worldly desires or worldly, worldly sight, such as we see from Pilate, or as we see from our own flesh and from the world. My kingdom is not of this world, Jesus says. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. Hear what Jesus is saying. The Roman Empire and all its might are of the world. And all the power and authority that's been given to it came from the Father above, whether Pilate sees that or not. Likewise, our nation, with all its scholars and experts, with all its visions of utopia and theories on race to give us the perfect world, all of that is of the world. But the worldly influence, the power, the authority that our nation has, that these experts have, or, or whoever has, <laughs> it comes from the Father above, whether they see it or not. Meaning the time is ticking on their reign and their power. The days of their lives are short. It will come to an end. And in the end, they'll have to answer. Now, were our Lord to come to earth to be a king over this fallen creation, an earthly king over this fallen creation, he would not have told Peter to sheathe his sword when he struck the guard's ear. He would have led all the apostles in a charge to attack the Jews and the Romans. Had he wanted an earthly reign, he would have called down the legions of angels and the cherubim with their fiery swords. No Jews would have betrayed him. No Roman would have lived. No one today would dare open their mouths against such a creator, such a king, earthly king. But then, if Jesus would have come to be an earthly king, if that would have happened, our Lord's kingdom would have been of this world. His kingdom would come with blessing and honor of men and the ages, but even if such a kingdom were to run the course of the existence of this creation of this world, the clock would have been ticking on it. It would still have come to an end, such a kingdom. And such a kingdom of a world, of a fallen world, would never have been perfect. So instead we pray, thy kingdom come. And look at this scene here in John as we pray thy kingdom come. Here is Pilate standing as the Roman governor with all the might and power and prestige that comes from the throne of Caesar with the clock ticking on them. The Roman Empire would soon fall. And standing opposite him is this peasant Nazarene, shackled, beaten, poor, in plain clothes, about to establish his kingdom for all eternity on the cross. And so all Pilate can really say in reply to Jesus' answer is, So you are a king. Now, from Jesus' answer, from wrestling with Jesus here, perhaps he sees a small spot of light of truth, but he still can't fully grasp it or see it. 
He's still seen in terms of an earthly king he doesn't understand. Even our world today, they see a small spot of light from what the church says. That our Lord is loving, just, compassionate. We say all those things. But they see only in terms, but they see those only in terms of themselves. They project themselves onto our Lord. So when they say he's loving, they just mean that he, that he okays any type of perverse thoughts of love and desire. Yes, our Lord is just, but they think he to be socially just as they construct justice in their social world. They say Jesus is compassionate. But they think compassion is just full, total acceptance of what they want. Like Pilate, they see a speck of light of the truth, but they can't correctly understand it. And to Pilate, Jesus replies, you say that I am a king. In other words, he's telling Pilate, yes, indeed, I am the king, as you say. And then he continues, for this, for being the king, I was born. And for this purpose of being the king, I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. We pray thy kingdom come. And our Lord is saying here that he was born of the Davidic line. He is the son of David that will establish his kingdom. That his is the crown by divine right as given to David in the promise of God. We pray again, thy kingdom come. The entire purpose of the incarnation, Jesus says here, was for him to be to establish his reign. His incarnation means that he was not of man or of this world, but he was from, he was of above. He became incarnate to assume our flesh and hold the crown from his being not of this world, but from eternity above. And being from eternity, eternity above, his kingdom would be from eternity. We pray thy kingdom come. Jesus came to establish the kingdom by bearing witness to the truth. He is truth. While Pilate worries only for the empire, while our experts, scholars, and others in the world put their trust in scientism and theories and genders, he, the truth, hanging on the cross, stands in contrast and victory over them all, over all their death and lies. And the truth that our Lord bears on the cross, the truth our Lord witnesses to is this. As Luther says, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, into the world to redeem us from the devil's power, to bring us to himself, to govern us as a king of righteousness against the evil one. That is thy kingdom come. In bearing this truth of the Father's love and forgiveness on the cross, his kingdom has been established here. On the cross, his kingdom has now come. Here on the cross, the divine eternal kingdom of life begins its invasion of the devilish temporal kingdom of which our world is a part. Our Lord is saying, by the word incarnate, 
by his death, his kingdom is here. Thy kingdom come. By his glorious resurrection and ascension, our Lord shows himself to be crowned by the Father over all of heaven and earth. And while in heaven, his kingdom remains on earth. When you come to church next time, look around you, and there you will see his kingdom. Because on earth, there is his kingdom. Wherever his word is proclaimed, his name is confessed, or his sacraments are celebrated with joy, there is his kingdom. There the devil's world is invaded. His kingdom has come to us as the word is preached and spread the world over. It has come to you. God's kingdom has come to you as our Lord brought you into his kingdom by your baptism. Where the word with the water and by the, whole, by the power of the Holy Spirit ushered you into his reign. Here, in his kingdom, the devil has suffered defeat in this world, losing all power and right over you and all Christians. We see in our church the image of Christ crucified. Because he has said on the cross, it is finished. And it can seem odd to maybe pray, thy kingdom come, as we sit there in church, his kingdom, that has come by way of his cross. But we pray that, not just that he, that he complete the work of our atonement, he's already done that. But we also pray, thy kingdom come, so that the word may continue to go out into the world and continue to have altars built the world over, so that more of those of the world may be taken out of it and welcomed into his kingdom. We pray thy kingdom come so that we may remain in this kingdom here in time and there in eternity, in the new heavens and the new earth, so that those who have received the kingdom may daily grow in it by his word, by preaching and his sacrament, that we remain in prayer, praying this every day, that the gospel received in faith of baptism may work and live in us toward family and neighbor. We pray thy kingdom come, looking into the kingdom of eternity with eyes of faith, asking God to protect his church as the nations, as experts, as scholars of this world, think that they, they can stamp us out as we suffer persecution. We pray that as we face such opposition in the world, that his atonement may reach the widest number of people and change their hearts by the Spirit who brings the gifts of the atonement through the word and sacraments. We pray thy kingdom come, asking him to return on his throne to this world once and for all on the last day, where he will utterly destroy the kingdom of the devil and deliver us finally from the evil one. When we pray thy kingdom come, we pray for the divine truth, which we hear. We pray that it reign among us now and in the life to come. What is truth? That's Pilate's question. It's what he asks. It's, what's, it's what the world asks. It's what we ask. 
What's ironic is that Pilate and the world ask what is truth while staring truth in the face. Whether that's Jesus before Pilate or the church before the world. And both Pilate and the world turn from the truth. They walk away from it as they ask what it is. I should say they turn away from him as they ask what it is. But for us, who are not of the world, but are now in our baptism of the kingdom of heaven, we may ask what is truth as we face opposition in the world. But then we come here, to church, gathered around the word, and there we see the truth every time that we pray, Thy kingdom come. And every time we partake of truth in his body and blood here at the altar. What is truth? We know it's him and his kingdom having come. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt. We continue with the creed and the prayer. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, 
was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. O Lord, our Redeemer, who are acknowledged to be high above the people and great in Zion, increase and perfect the belief of your church in you and make the nations unite in the sincerity thereof, that as we are confessing your name, which is great, and with faithful service paying honor to your glorious kingdom, you may graciously look upon us from on high and bring us from this low place of earth to the dwellings of heaven, who lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. O Lord, have mercy. O Christ, have mercy. O Lord, have mercy. O Christ, hear us. God the Father in heaven, have mercy. God the Son, Redeemer of the world, have mercy. God the Holy Spirit, have mercy. Be gracious to us. Spare us, good Lord. Be gracious to us. Help us, good Lord. From all sin, good Lord, deliver us. From all error, good Lord, deliver us. From all evil, good Lord, deliver us. From the crafts and assaults of the devil, from sudden and evil death, from pestilence and famine, from war and bloodshed, from sedition and from rebellion, from lightning and tempest, from all calamity by fire and water, and from everlasting death. Good Lord, deliver us. By the mystery of your holy incarnation, help us, good Lord. By your holy nativity, by your baptism, fasting, and temptation, by your agony and bloody sweat, by your cross and passion, by your precious death and burial, by your glorious resurrection and ascension, by the coming of the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, in all time of our tribulation, in all time of our prosperity, in the hour of death and in the day of judgment. Help us, good Lord. We poor sinners implore you to hear us, O Lord, to rule and govern your holy Christian church. We implore you to hear us, good Lord, to preserve all pastors and ministers of your church in the true knowledge and understanding of your word and in holiness of life, to put an end to all schisms and causes of offense, to bring into the way of truth all who have erred and are deceived, to beat down Satan under our feet, to send faithful laborers into your harvest, to accompany your word with your spirit and grace, to raise those who fall and to strengthen those who stand, and to comfort and help the weak-hearted and the distressed. We implore you to hear us, good Lord, to give all nations peace and concord, to preserve our land from discord and strife, to give our country your protection in every time of need 
to direct and defend our President Joseph and all in authority, to bless and protect our magistrates and all our people. We implore you to hear us, good Lord, to watch over and help all who are in danger, necessity, and tribulation, to protect and guide all who travel, to preserve all women in the perils of childbirth, to increase the happiness of all mothers with infant children in their blessings, to defend and provide for all fatherless children and widows, to strengthen and keep all sick persons and young children, to free those in bondage and those innocently imprisoned, and to have mercy upon all men. We implore you to hear us, good Lord, to forgive our enemies, persecutors, and slanderers, and to turn their hearts, to give and preserve for our use the kindly fruits of the earth, and graciously to hear our prayers. We implore you to hear us, good Lord. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, we implore you to hear us. Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, have mercy. Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, have mercy. Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, grant us your peace. O Christ, hear us. O Lord, have mercy. O Christ, have mercy. O Lord, have mercy. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, do not deal with us according to our sins. Do not reward us according to our iniquities. O God, merciful Father, you have promised to hear the prayers of all who, in repentance, called out to you. Graciously hear us so that all evils which beset us may be of no avail, that we, your servants, may evermore give thanks to you in your holy church. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. O Lord. Enter not into judgment with your servant, for in your sight shall no man be justified. Almighty God, you know we live in the midst of so many dangers that in our frailty we cannot stand upright. Grant strength and protection to support us in all dangers and carry us through all temptations. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you will glorify me. Spare us, O Lord, and mercifully forgive our sins. Though by our continual transgressions we have merited your chastisements, be gracious to us. Grant that all these punishments, which we have deserved, may not come upon us but that all things may work to our everlasting good. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, 
world without end. Amen. Bless we the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen.
thank you for joining us for our midweek Vespers service and our series, The Lord's Prayer in the Lord's Passion. We'll be back this Sunday, the third Sunday of Lent, also known as Oculi. And then we'll also be back again next Wednesday evening with another Vesper service where we look at the third petition of the Lord's Prayer, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All of our music for this podcast comes from smallchurchmusic.com. We encourage all of our listeners to look us up on Facebook under Christ the King Lutheran Church in Spencer or at CTK Spencer. If you enjoyed this service, we encourage you to subscribe to our podcast, tell a friend, or leave a review wherever you listened. If you would like to be on our mailing list for these podcasts or would like to leave feedback, you can contact us on Facebook or at the email addresses at the top of the bulletin, which is included in a link with this podcast. That's all for this week. Until next time, go forth and serve the Lord. I am Pastor Michael McGinley, signing off.